You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, welcome to Aging Starts Now. This is episode number 60, and today we're going to be talking about how to spot elder abuse. I'm Barbara McGinnis, one of the partner attorneys here at Takis McGinnis, and with me is one of my co-workers, Patty Bedwell, who is an elder care coordinator here in our office and a former long-term care ombudsman. Morning, Patty. Good morning, Barbara. This is a you know, an unfortunate really sort of topic to talk about. It it makes us feel a little uncomfortable, but it, but it is important for people to, to know about how to spot elder abuse. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what is elder abuse and how is that different from neglect? Another unfortunate, but important topic. Right, and unfortunately, both abuse and neglect happen to a, a group of our elders. Um, and it is it is important that we understand the difference between the two terms. Abuse is when someone that's supposed to be taking care of you is not. Instead, they're hurting you or causing you mental anguish. Neglect is when someone who's supposed to be taking care of you they're just not doing it or not doing it adequately. And their failure to provide for your needs causes you pain or mental anguish. Although it may not be done on purpose, the outcome is still the same. So that's, you know, that's a little bit of the difference between abuse and neglect. Yeah. So the sort of like the the mental... I don't know whether people probably don't really think about intending to abuse someone. It flares up, right? I mean, it's it's like that would be a weird thing to intend to abuse an elder. That's stuff like we see on television, TV shows, criminal minds and things. But elder abuse flares up out of anger and burnout and, um, those kind of circumstances, right? right? I mean, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, abuse and neglect, they can occur anywhere. You know, often it happens at home, you know, and many times the perpetrator is a family member or a caregiver. There's usually, often it is a trusted relationship. So there is an expectation not to expect that type of thing, but it does happen. And you're right, a lot of the frustrations and the difficulties in caring for someone um, often pushes people, caregivers, over the edge and leads them to some abusive situations. And um, the abuse is not always something that you can see. It may not be marks on their arms or, a, you know, that sort of thing. A lot of times it can be verbal abuse comments that are made, things that, you know, are uh, hurtful to the elder. And, you know, so that's a big form of abuse as well. Um, 
And financial abuse and exploitation, that's a whole other topic. So what are some of the risk factors and warning signs that we should be looking for related to elder abuse and neglect? Okay. Well, just know that it does go across the board. You know, you're not safe from abuse and neglect because of your monetary status or anything else. It just happens pretty much to anyone. But some of the risk factors of people with dementia, we find, are more often at risk for abuse and neglect. Of people that don't have a lot of support, you know, if, if a person doesn't have a strong support system, then someone, it's easy for someone to step in and start taking advantage maybe of that person. Uh, someone that has had previous traumatic events, they're more apt to be uh, a victim of abuse or neglect again. Women are at greater risk. Some of our younger elder people seem to be at more risk. Um, I'm talking about people like 50 to 70 years old, and that may be because a lot of our, our people over the age of 70 are in the facilities, so they may not be included in some of these polls and things that they've done. Um, people that live in a household with a lot of other member, other family members, um, people that have low income. Those are just a few of the things that might impact and might lead to uh, abuse or neglectful situations. Uh, I can imagine also if, if maybe your caregiver was not mentally well themselves, if they had mental illness that was not being treated adequately, if they were suffering from depression, Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is common in, in maybe some uh, chronic caregivers. Um, and also, you know, often the caregivers, when they take on the responsibility, they may not realize just how consuming it can be and how difficult caring for someone else can be. So sometimes the abuse or the neglect may come from that frustration that that caregiver is experiencing and unfortunately you know they take it out on that elder instead of looking for better ways to uh, um, end their stresses um i was looking at the i'm actually looking at the world health organization site and it, it has some key facts that how frequently abuse occurs all around the world uh, Mm. in elders and what some of those risk factors look like from a societal standpoint. I mean, it's, it's one in six people over the age of 60 is experiencing some form of abuse. Um, So that sounds like, that sounds like a high number to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess, categorically that it happens more frequently it seems like in institutions um be at at least according to this site and no that doesn't mean it happens in all institutions it doesn't happen to everyone uh we work closely with lots of 
long-term care facilities that, that do a good job, but it does happen. Um, the other thing is, and I think this is an interesting societal reflection too, if a country is experiencing rapidly aging populations, um, and that is a demographic shift in our country right now. So with, with the, we all know that that's our fastest growing demographic. Um, and so we've got more and more older people and there's mm, maybe our infrastructure for caring for older people um, is, is going to be, we're going to see a lag there. Okay. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. what role does adult protective services play? How, how do they help? We hear about them a lot. Well, adult uh, adult protective services, they're the agency that you're going to call whenever you suspect there's abuse or neglect going on with an elder, or with anyone, actually. It's for anyone over 18 if you suspect they're being abused. You know, APS is the one to call. And what they do, you know, you send in your, or you call and you make your referral, and tell them, you know, what you think is going on. And then they go out and they do an investigation and they follow up and they look into the situation, the home situation, and they kind of have tools that they use to identify the individual's needs and assess what they might need to live a safe and happy life. But they're a pretty big group in in what they can do. Um They go into the home, they can assess different levels of safety and danger, and they can counsel with those adults and those individuals and really try to work with them to identify any areas of concern. Um, While they're in there, they make sure that things are going well in the house, that there's adequate food, that the house is clean, that the elder um, appears to be taken care of, well-groomed, you know, all those sort of things that they're looking for. And then if they suspect that there's something going on and it is um, concerning enough, they can make arrangements for alternate placement for that person. And they then they'll work with them and they'll help, <clears throat> help them um, find a better spot but they do follow up they do investigate and um so they're a great agency now they're not the agency that you're going to want to call if you suspect something is going on within one of our licensed facilities they rarely do investigations in our nursing homes or assisted living unless there's a suspicion of financial exploitation So for someone who is in a nursing facility or an assisted living facility, if you uh, suspect that there's any abuse, instead of calling APS, you're going to want to start with either the ombudsman program or a referral to the state to have that investigated. And that's what APS would tell you if you called them about a concern within a facility. Okay. Um, even with the COVID changes in nursing home um, 
like surveys, you know, like their, their routine surveys were actually suspended during COVID, but they would still respond to these complaints of potential abuse, right? Yes. Yes, they do. They, that, and they have been going in in the last several months and doing complaint investigations. Okay. And, and they're resuming their regular investigations as well. I mean, their regular yeah. surveys as well. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm kind of thinking about last, even last year. Right. Okay. And hopefully the ombudsman will be back in the buildings uh, pretty soon as well. They've been out of the buildings all this past year as well. So their investigations have been um, done a little differently. Sure. So that's basically, I mean, if you are a concerned person, whether it's in a community setting, like you're worried about one of your neighbors or something, you would call Adult Protective Services. But if you're in a if your person that you're concerned about is in a licensed facility, they would either call their ombudsman or the, the state surveying agency. Right. Okay. That's exactly right. Um, what's the difference between an individual's right to make poor choices <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and the need for protection and, Maybe it's even need for protection from themselves because there is a thing like self neglect. So, sure. you know, this is one of the this is one of these very fine line kind of things I think that we do help families with and individuals with. Exactly, and one right that we all have that we never really think about until it becomes question is the right to make a poor decision. So we can all do things that other people don't agree with. But for me, you know, the tipping point there is, are they doing something that is a danger to themselves or to other people? That's where you cross that line. You know, everyone has the right to do what they want up until the point that they start to hurt themselves or cause harm to other people. but um, some of the things to look at there. So if you go in and you're, you're trying, you you know, you're saddling this horse trying to decide is this, do they need protection or is this their right to make this type of decision? Um, Just kind of look around at the situation. Is it dangerous? Will there be any harm for them? Are they going to be causing any harm for someone else? Do you think that maybe they're being influenced by other people to do things that maybe are not in their best interest? And always, my, my general rule of thumb is to err on the side of caution. So if you suspect that there's something wrong and you, you think there may be some abuse or neglect going on, then just go ahead and report it. Call APS. Let them take it over. Rather than, you know, just, oh, I don't think that's anything. I'm just worrying too much. You know, it may be something, but it may not. Um, So just go ahead and err on the side of caution and make a report and then let APS handle it. But just always remember, even when we're talking to our loved ones, they may do some, they may want to do some odd things but they also have the right to do those odd things unless it's causing harm to them or someone else. 
And when when we say odd things, what, what are we talking about? Is this the right to take uh, a particular medication or not? Yeah, like someone, um, well, one of the best examples that I used to give when I was giving um, talks on resident rights and things, um, you know, when I go... Um, when I go to the doctor and the doctor tells me that I need to lose weight and I agree with him and then I leave and I go to McDonald's and I supersize my meal, you know, that's my right to make that decision. Is it a good decision? No, no, it's not. But I have that right to make those decisions. So I don't know if that quite answers the question, but that's uh, that's kind of how I look at it. Well, yeah, I mean, we do see that. We do see a lot of nutrition-related um, mm-hmm. issues when people that are trying to age in place and um, they're making decisions about what kind of meals they're going to have because sometimes it's just it, for all the reasons we pick our our own meals, when do it's it's what we want, it's what we have right. a taste for. Um, so right. yeah, we just have to remember and that you know, they have, yeah, they always have rights, you know, for things like that, and you know, they may not agree with the treatment plan that the doctor or the facility has lined out for them. You know, they may not want to take that medication. Or they may not want to participate in that treatment. Um, It's good to talk with them to kind of try to figure out why it is that they're refusing that. But you have to always remember that they do have the right to refuse those things. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Patty. Thank, Thank you for your knowledge and your compassion and your abilities to advocate for good care for our clients and um, that you're always there for, for our families. I really appreciate that. You do a great job. So if anybody wants more information about what is a care coordinator and how do they help or uh, what other things that we might be able to provide for folks here at Take Us McGinnis Elder Care Law, you can check out our website. Um, we are there and we're on social media. So until next time, I appreciate everyone listening and We'll be back. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.